Boiled Down, the podcast for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. My name is Greg Astley. I'm the Director of Government Affairs for Orla. And joining me today to talk about creating a strong company culture is Ken Henson with Refitorio Consulting. Welcome, Ken. Thank you, Greg. And this is part two of a two-part podcast that we're doing on creating a strong company culture. Uh, previously, we kind of talked a little bit about the importance of culture. Why would you work on this? Uh, with there are so many other things that you're having to deal with, and maybe what are the hallmarks of a good work environment, as well as how do you turn around a bad work environment. Um, but today, Ken, uh, we're going to dive a little bit more into the behaviors that exemplify success in the pursuit of a great culture, and then what owners and operators really should be focused on uh, to create a great work environment. So uh, we could start with the first one there and and maybe give some examples of what are the behaviors that in your mind uh, really do exemplify that that level of success that people are looking for when you're talking about a strong or or a really great company culture that employees want to be a part of. Well, I think anytime the, everybody on your team should know exactly what is expected of them. So, I mean, even something as simple as the position description having the team know what the expectation are and even above and beyond that, how do they know when they're winning? How do they know when they're being successful? And when they know what their accountabilities are and we have regular conversation about how are you, how are you performing to your accountabilities? They're going to take more pride in their work. I, I think a lot of, in a lot of instances, People just don't know what is expected of them be up above and beyond just the basic, my job is to clear dishes from tables, take them back to the dish room. You know, it goes above and beyond that. And having them know, we talked a little bit about core values, but what behaviors you expect from the team, how we're expected to interact with each other. And, you know, when that works well, when everyone knows what's expected of them, they know what leader, what is expected of leadership. They know it's expected from their managers and everybody's really transparent about that. The team starts clicking together really, really well. One of the things I tell GMs and dining room managers is if your team knew what was expected of them, your menus would never go to the table tattered. And every time I walk into your restaurant, I'm looking at your menus because that's the first thing that the guest sees outside of the cleanliness of the facility. It's right in front of them. And if you have typos and you have smudges on your menus, that leaves a lasting impression. And so if your seater, the host at the restaurant, knows that the expectation of them is that every menu goes out clean, free of error, they're going to live up to that. So uh, we talked a little bit last time about that communication, about you know listening. And I, I know in our previous conversations, one of the suggestions you have for the employer's responsibility uh, to their employees' development is holding a, a daily stand-up or, or a lineup. Can you talk about that and what that is exactly? Yeah, it's, it's daily communication from the manager on duty directly to frontline employees. And, you know, it's an opportunity to let them know what your objective of the day is to have them be informed about how busy you're going to be, how many reservations you have on the book, how many check-ins you have coming to the front desk. Um, and 
setting those goals for them for the day, as well as reinforcing, you know, an issue that might turn into a frustration, get out in front of it. And it's also the opportunity, we talked about the one-on-ones, the quarterly one-on-ones. It's also the opportunity for you to hear feedback from them about, you know, I twisted my ankle yesterday. You have me in section five, maybe I can be in section one. To really have everything you need, the communication you need to run a smooth shift. And another thing that you talked about before is communicate everything, right? Be transparent, the good and the bad. You shouldn't be holding things back when you're talking about it because the more you can share, the more they feel invested in what's happening. Absolutely. And, you know, if you have a service problem, if there's a pinch point in service, your service team knows how to overcome that. If you have a food cost problem, every cook in that restaurant knows where that food is. They know where the costs are. And so why would you hide anything from the team? If your team, again, we're in the knowledge and information age, is seeking knowledge and information, give that to them. There's no reason to hide bad news because if we're a team and we're all working together, then we're working together to overcome those challenges. Yeah, it's funny. I, I see that even in young kids. I coached Little League and even the T-ballers at age five and six, you know, we don't keep score uh, at that level, but they know exactly how many runs the other team has and how many they have. And they know if they're down or if they're up and you can try to keep it from them, but they pay attention, right? And so Absolutely. better to talk about it than to try to keep them in the dark when they actually know what's happening. Yeah, and what happens in that case is you keep them in the dark and, and maybe have the best intentions. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news and it's going to hurt employee morale. But like you said, they know, and that's going to sow distrust. It plants the seed in their head that, you know, my, my manager or the owner, they're not being 100% honest with me. And so that seed starts to grow and that denigrates your culture. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what owners and operators should be focused on to create a, a great workplace culture, an environment that people want to be a part of. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. One of the things that you've talked about before is conducting exit interviews when someone is terminated or, or has to leave. And what's the purpose behind that? What are, you, what are you gaining as an employer when you're conducting one of those exit interviews, especially if there's a termination? Yeah, I think I think the only number we should be focused on when it comes to employee number statistics, what our turnover rate is, is the turnover rate. Because people don't leave organizations. They leave most often leadership. They don't agree with the way things operate or, or the way that they're treated. And so in an exit interview, I usually only ask one question. What did we do wrong? If I'm going to ask another question, I'll try to ask it before it gets to an exit interview stage. What could we do to be your forever company? What would it take for you to be so happy here that you never wanted to leave? And if we've done something wrong as a proprietor, then we need to take that to heart and we need to fix it because that's not the only person thinking about leaving. If they've just gone for a better opportunity, we should wish them well. We should thank them for their contribution. 
But that's exit interviews are the opportunity to really understand where we're having failures in management and leadership. So the other thing, Ken, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of read down some of these and then I'll ask you to talk a little bit about it is you actually have a to-do list for employers that you present on. And, and I think this is some of those kind of key areas where people could focus on to create that workplace culture. But the first one that you have is reward efforts, not results, and celebrate every win. Um, obviously, we want to be successful, you know, in our business. And so you want to get those results, but you're focused more on, on the effort. And why is that? If you focus on the effort and reward that effort, the team member is more likely to increase that effort. If you just celebrate results, no matter how hard someone's trying, you, you set up this divide between the winners and the losers. You know, we all want high check averages. We all want quick turnover rates and rooms. We all want, you know, our, our guests to enjoy staying with us. If, if I understand the effort that you're putting into it, I know how to coach and counsel you now. If I'm just focused on the end result, I don't know what it took to get there, right? Maybe, maybe someone's shortchanging the system to get the result. It's, it's similar to focusing on the bottom line on the P&L. Bottom line is an indicator of how well you're doing, right? Focus on, on guest interaction, employee interaction, leadership development, and you'll get that bottom line. You'll get the efforts or you'll get the, the results you want when you start celebrating and rewarding effort. All right, well put. So the next one I want to draw from here, there's actually two of them, and I think they're kind of related, but it has to do really with development of employees, right? Professional development, however you want to characterize it. But a couple of your points are to create a career path for every team member and also start an employee mentorship program. And to me, I mean, in my mind, those are kind of interrelated, but can you talk a little bit about why those are so important in creating that strong company culture. Yeah, the career path is, you know, I'm sure everybody listening to this understands this is the only industry, hospitality is really the only industry that I'm aware of where the barrier to entry is minimal. Hmm. If you want to do a good job, you'll be successful. You don't have to have a college education. You don't have to go to culinary school. You don't have to go to hotel restaurant management. Um, if you really want this industry, you can go from entry level to ownership in seven years, maybe less. And so helping the team understand what they need to do to get to the next level, inspiring them with stories of people who have been successful in this industry, who started as knucklehead dishwashers like me, that just you know, I loved food and I was passionate about it, became passionate about the industry and had a pretty good career for myself. I still have a pretty good career for myself. Helping them understand this is really attainable and inspiring them to get to that next level. For mentorship, I think everyone who's in a position of leadership, whether they're owners, whether they're managers, have had someone who have been an inspiration to them, who's had their back, 
who they can talk to about success and failure and what they need to do to get to the next level. And we owe it to our industry for that. All right, so now the tough one, right? Because this all sounds great, Ken, but there's a bottom line here, right? Money, we're, in, we're not a charity, we're in business to make money. We have to have money in order to pay these employees. And in order to do all of these nice things that you've talked about and other things that we haven't talked about, having a company event or you know a quarterly fun day or whatever for your staff. So how does a business owner afford to do some of these kinds of things when you know a profit margin, especially in a restaurant, is pretty tight? I am so glad you brought that up. Greg, I gotta tell you, every restaurant and every hotel, and I would argue every industry, has more money than they know. That money is already there. So if you have a small restaurant and you have 10 employees, if you have someone who works five days a week, 52 weeks a year, and they are not being productive for 30 minutes a day. So now you're paying them for the 30 minutes when they're not productive, probably because you haven't set up their accountabilities and aren't communicating with them what your vision of success for them is. Now you're paying someone that 30 minutes to do the work that they should have done. So now it's really an hour. It's an hour a day times five days a week, 52 weeks a year. That's times 10 employees is 60 hours, excuse me, 60 weeks of free labor. Mm. One additional full-time employee of free labor. You're already paying for it. And so setting up your processes and systems getting your team engaged. Engaged team members are much more likely to produce a healthier bottom line. Yeah, I know you've you've talked about uh, analyzing your revenue to create your impactful schedules and getting the right mm -hmm. people in the right seats, which will also increase your revenue. What are some of the practical applications of that that you can share? Can you rephrase that question like I'm a kindergartner? Of course. So you're talking about uh, you've just added an extra person, but how can you how can you look at your bottom line? How can you look at the revenue that you have coming in and and create a schedule that's going to be able to help you to realize your your success when it comes to that bottom line? Perfect. Thank you. You know, we have data all around us from our POS systems. It's easy to get a hold of. You know, understanding when your busy times are. A cafe is a perfect example. You have three people in the door at six o'clock in the morning to get set up to open the doors, and you have five customers the first hour you're open. Do you really need those three people, or can you look at when you when the most revenue is happening in your restaurant, in your hotel, what time checkouts are? So if you have five checkouts today and only three rooms coming in and you know on average you get one walk in a day do you really need to clean those five rooms today or can it happen at a more productive time mm. so really understanding when you need people and what you need to be focused on when they need to be focused then you're creating revenue opportunity so for those who are familiar with the movie or the book it kind of sounds like moneyball but for the hospitality industry, right? Analyzing that data and realizing that it's not always the flashy or the well-known that is what's going to get you success, but it's sometimes 
you know, looking into some of the things that make a difference, but aren't always evident. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the biggest things I see in restaurants is a host will see a two top and a four top or a six top. And then you'll have a four top that has to wait twice as long. We've got two empty seats there. So a savvy operator should know that an empty seat when you're on a wait at your busiest time is 25.6 cents a minute, right? Those two empty seats are costing you money. So helping your team understand how to effectively seat, how to effectively manage a wait list, it just creates profitability. In a previous life, I worked for Kinko's, uh, the old copy shops, and they had a profit sharing model. And uh, as an employee, we shared in those profits. And so for us, because we knew that the more profitable we were, the more money we were going to get in our paycheck every couple of weeks, we were very careful about making sure that we only made one test copy to make sure that everything was right. And we did check those jobs before they went out the door because we didn't want them to be wrong and have to rerun them. And so it gets back to, I think, that transparency, the sharing the good and the bad with your employees so that they understand what can help make the restaurant, the hotel, whatever, successful, which in turn will help make them successful. Absolutely. You know, one thing I used to do when I was a chef is every mistake that was made from the kitchen, I would save and I'd put back it you know, on a back prep table somewhere. And you have five entrees at the end of a busy, busy day that are mismade and three salads. Bring the have the team understand what the value of that is. Not only is it, it's not just food cost, it's missed revenue opportunity of a few hundred dollars and help them understand this is a raise. This is equipment that we need. This is new plateware, new, this is an employee party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the more they understand that, the more they'll pay attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And celebrate it when they get it right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know, like you said, and celebrate the effort, right? You know, mm-hmm. reward the, the effort there. So, um, so I know you have kind of one simple question, right? That, that every hotel or restaurant or retail establishment could probably tell us why they should stay, why they should dine, why they, why they should shop with them. But in your opinion, very few can answer the question, why should you work with us? And so what is your, what is your answer? Because you can't talk about bottom line, you can't talk about those things, but why should you work with us? Why should you be a part of our company culture? Yeah, I, I think the question is, why should you work with us? And you're not allowed to talk about pay or traditional benefits, right? Those are the entry level today to even having your doors open. And so, you know, again, I think to me, the answer is I care about you. You're part of my family. I'm going to make sure that you're successful. No matter what, I will go out of my way to take care of you in whatever way that I can. It may not be exactly what you need, but you're my family. I'm going to treat you like you're my family. It doesn't mean that we don't have standards. It doesn't mean that we don't follow processes, but we're in an agreement. The guest has a need from us. And in order for our guests to have their need met, our team has to be great. And if the, if the guest doesn't give us what we need, which is money at the end of the day, it all crumbles. So in order for our team 
to give the guests what they need. We have to give our team what they need, right? I'm a big fan of servant leadership. We're there to take care of the team. And when we do that and we do it well, our teams become loyal to us. They rely on us and have fun at work. Yeah, that's well said, Ken. And, and I hope everyone listening is taking that to heart. Um, Ken Henson, Refertorio Consulting, thank you so much for sharing with us over these two podcasts, what it takes to make a strong company culture. Any last words, anything that you want to leave the listeners with? You know, one of the things when I, when I talk at various industry events, I always leave the stage and think, I can't believe that I have to tell people to be nice. Like that's all I'm doing. Just be a nice, be the person that people want to work with. Be the person that they light up when you see them. That's it. The golden rule, right? Treat others as you wish to be treated. So exactly. Great. Well, Ken, thank you so much again for joining us. Again, my name is Greg Astley. I'm the Director of Government Affairs and your host for Boiled Down, the podcast for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. Thanks for listening.